1: Hey, this is Sean Patel from Prep Expert, which is a test prep company that was funded by Mark Cuban on Shark Tank. And if you want to learn how to build extraordinary relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell.
0: Welcome back to the show. Hey there! What is up? Welcome back to another interview here on Build Your Network. Today, I am talking with a young dude who is just absolutely crushing it in business and in life. And uh, there's so many different parts of this guy's story that are so intriguing to me. He closed a deal on Shark Tank with billionaire Mark Cuban for an investment in his company Prep Expert. Prep Expert offers SAT and ACT courses based on this guy's methods to raise his own SAT score from average, just like right around that average to absolutely perfect. He received a bachelor's in biology from the University of Southern California on a full tuition scholarship full tuition scholarship, an MD from the University of Southern California, and an MBA from Yale University. And he's also currently a dermatology resident physician at Temple University. So this guy, while he was doing all of this stuff, while he's being educated on all these different types of things, he's actually running a business in addition to that, that's been wildly successful, being able to partner with people like Mark Cuban, just an incredible, incredible story that this guy has. And He just turned 30. He just turned 30 years old. So I cannot wait to bring on my buddy, Sean Patel. There's so many things that we talk about today just a couple of them and parents listen up because we talk about some of the things that his parents did to foster that entrepreneurial spirit that was in him when he was growing up and then we talk about his experience doing a deal with mark cuban what that was even like and then we talk about the one question that the sharks asked him on shark tank that he was not prepared for and uh, we kind of go into how nervous he was during all of that and, and it's just a fantastic conversation with sean and i can't wait to uh, uh, share this all with you guys and you are going to absolutely love it of it. But really quickly before we get into it, if you're a six or seven figure business owner, then listen up. Because if you want to know how to create and maintain relationships with the people that I've had on my show, and you want to become an authority in your niche, have your dream clients or customers come to you instead of you having to go always go out and grab them. And then you want to amplify your message to the masses, then I challenge you with this, make it your goal to start a podcast in 2020. My only regret in my podcasting journey was waiting. I knew I wanted to launch a show in late 2016, but I didn't launch it until late 2017, almost a full 12 months between the time that I knew I wanted to launch until the time that I actually launched. And that waiting period just cost me nothing but time, money and skills. So stop waiting, just get started. But if you're going to do it, do it the right way, or else you're just going to continue to waste time and money. And that's where I come in. I help high level entrepreneurs just like you create, launch, grow and monetize podcasts. So if you are a six or seven figure business owner, and you want to see if we would be a good fit to work together to get your show out into the world, then go over to travischapelcom slash apply. That's Travis Chapel, C-H-A-P-P-E e l l.com slash apply to book a quick discovery call and we'll chat really soon. And now enjoy my conversation with Sean Patel. Sean, what is up, my man? Thanks so much for joining me on the show today.
1: Hey, Travis, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I'm excited to share some tips with listeners. Yeah, man. I I was
0: bummed a couple of weeks ago when I was sick when we had to reschedule. So I'm I'm happy we're able to get on the schedule uh, again so quickly. I know that you are a super busy dude. Um, and I, I respect your time and respect what you've been able to do. So let's go ahead and jump in here, bro. You Major props before we get started. You've 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 done so many things. You said you just turned 30. Um, so many accomplishments already in your entrepreneurial career. And then you, you just keep going. You just keep going. And, uh, <laughs> like reading through the bio here, like like getting a funded company on Shark Tank wasn't enough. You see. So Bachelor's of biology at USC on a full tuition scholarship, MD from USC, MBA from Yale, and then currently a dermatology resident position at Temple University. Plus, you had your your test prep business get funded by Mark Cuban on Shark Tank all before the age of thirty. Just so many amazing things here, man. So talk to me about childhood for you, Sean. Like, was all of this. Were all of these very instilled and just kind of built into you from a young age? Were you
1: always this way? Yeah, that's a great question. My childhood was a lot different than most people's. So my parents actually, they raised me in a in their motel. So my parents owned a motel in urban Las Vegas. And I know you're in Vegas now, right? Vegas. Yeah, so. exactly. So you probably know uh, Fremont Street. You know, now it's sort of been gentrified by Zappos, but, but you know, 20 years ago when I was growing up, not the best place, uh, town to grow up in. And so grew up in this urban motel that my parents owned in, in Vegas. And I owe so much of my both education success as well as my entrepreneurial success to my parents. And I say that because I grew up around entrepreneurs. I grew up working in a motel, learning how to make profit, renting rooms, Working on rooms, uh, helping out with everything I could in the motel. So like entrepreneurship was really instilled in for me, instilled in me from where we lived. And then education was just so so important to my parents because as you know, Las Vegas is not the best place in terms of academics. You know, it's like forty percent dropout rate. We often are ranked lowest in the country with our public school systems down there with Mississippi. And so my parents wanted to make sure that. I wasn't like that, and so what they did was they put me in a bunch of magnet schools, so I was still going to urban public schools, but like magnet schools that specialized in math and science, and so I really took education seriously. and uh, from a very early age, I would say that my parents were setting up setting me up for the success that i that I'd have later on in my life what are your parents' backgrounds? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people think it's odd that I'm both a doctor and an entrepreneur, but that's what I was raised by. I was raised by my dad, who was a pharmacist and an entrepreneur. So Mm. you know, a lot of people think that I work hard, but my dad is the hardest working person I know. I mean, I grew up and he would wake up at 5 a.m. to be at his pharmacy at 6 a.m., He'd work from six to two at the pharmacy, just regular full-time job, eight hours. Then he would come home and then he'd work at the motel from, or actually work at our gas station that he later bought from three to eight and work at the motel from eight to 10. And then- do it every single day, six days a week. Quick lesson here before you keep going. Quick lesson for all you parents out there.
0: And parenting's big on my mind, bro, because uh, we just had our first baby about four months ago. Oh, congratulations. uh, Yeah, thank you. So this is all stuff that's in the forefront of my mind. And I'm always looking for tips from not just successful parents, but from successful kids who felt like their parents did a good job at setting them up for success. And common denominator that I'm finding with all of these people is the fact that your dad was not a do as I say, not as I do type of a dad. He was a lead from the front by example type of dad. So he's not just telling you, Sean, it's important to do your schoolwork and it's important to work hard and it's important to keep your word. He's doing all of things at an extreme level your entire childhood and that's all you saw. That's what you take in and that's what you start to exude and that's what you start to exhibit in your personal life as well. So I'm uh, sorry to interrupt you, keep going. I uh, just wanted to throw that in there really quick. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed
1: No, I I couldn't agree more. You know, a lot of people in Vegas, particularly, for example, would blame Vegas and say, well, you know, my kid didn't do well in school because the education system here sucks. And it's like schooling starts in the home, man. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, my parents are the ones who uh, set that example for me. My dad would go through and give me extra work to do school-wise and motel-wise, etc. Because, you know, that's just what he did is he led by example. And so uh, yeah, to all the parents out there, man, like, I think that my parents did a terrific job, because they didn't just preach, they really practiced what they preached.
0: Yeah, so true. So coming into, like, let's say, middle school, high school uh, time in your life, what was your idea of what life was going to look like after high school? Were you already thinking about colleges? Were you purely academics? Did you play sports? Like, what what were your hobbies, passions? And like, what did you want to do with your life at at that point?
1: Yeah, yeah. So middle school, high school time, I mean, I just wanted to be a regular kid. I loved basketball. I loved rap music. I loved hanging out with my friends. I loved going to movies, et cetera. I just wanted to be a regular kid. And that's what I was. But I did start to take education really seriously once I got to high school. And the reason for that is, you know, once you get to high school, it's still, you have to start thinking about college and all those things. And my parents really instilled that in me from a young age. So that's when I started to take education more seriously. And my, it was absolutely 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 crushing to me when I got my first SAT score, which was just about average. It was a little bit above average, but it wasn't that much higher because I was like a really good student. And so I was like, this isn't matching up. And so that's really when I basically just locked myself in the library, uh, Sahara West Library in Vegas. And uh, I was there an entire summer, I would go there when it opened at 9 a.m. and, till, and stay there till closed at, till 8 p.m. And real quick, explain what a library is. <laughs> I know right? it's crazy yeah. the way that I think about it I, I'm like, am I so old now? Like, oh, you know there wasn't um Facebook like there was nothing yeah. to distract me in high school. I, I feel bad for high school kids today, man they've got Instagram, Netflix, snapchat, everything distracting uh, of them from uh, you know actually getting their schoolwork done or entrepreneurship done, whatever it may be and a lot of uh, I mean the lesson to that in entrepreneurs is like man, you also can't be distracted by all that stuff, you know. Right. But yeah, so, uh, you know, I was I locked myself in the library for an entire summer, spent hundreds of hours preparing for the SAT because I didn't want my parents to pay for college. I didn't want to take out loans. And so I wanted to get scholarships to get into a really great college, too. And so I was able to raise my average SAT score to a perfect SAT score. And um, that completely changed my life. I I got a quarter million dollars in scholarship offers. I got into great universities. I got to meet the president of the United States. And so it was totally game changing for me. I really, just by changing my one score, I changed the entire trajectory of my life. Yeah, so talk to me about next steps here. So at
0: that time, were you already thinking like, I need to help other kids do this? Or was it like, man, I reached my goals, I'm going to school?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think this is similar to, I think, a lot of serial entrepreneurs journeys, which is like after you hit a certain milestone or peak in entrepreneurship. It's like, you're always going to go for something next, but you should always take some time to enjoy and relax. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So like for me, I didn't immediately go and be like, I'm going to start an SAT prep company. As soon as I got that score, I had an idea. I was like, I want to write an SAT prep book, but I didn't do that right away. Cause I was like, I just, I just worked my ass off <laughs> to um, yeah. get this score. I'm not just going to go and do the next big project right away. So I really enjoyed um, my college. Experience for a few years. Um, yeah, I was on a full. You know, like I said, I got a quarter million dollars scholarships. So I didn't pay anything for tuition, housing, books, food, even like miscellaneous expenses. They were just writing me checks. I was getting paid to go to college at the University of Southern California. Really enjoying college for a few years, and then it's just like the classic entrepreneur. I'm just like, once you enjoy enough, you're just like, okay, what's the next thing? So the next thing for me was, well how can I help other students improve their SAT scores the way that I did? And I thought the way that I could have the biggest impact on people was to write an SAT prep book. I was like, I'll be the first perfect score student to write an SAT prep manual. And you know, it's going to sell like bananas. I thought it was going to be a huge success. Of course, just like all entrepreneurs, when you have an idea, almost no one else believes in your idea except for you. And so, um, I put together this book proposal. I pitched it to, it was like a big book proposal. To, it was like 60 pages and about why this book's going to be awesome. And then I pitched it to a hundred literary agents and publishers, everyone from Penguin to Random House to McGraw-Hill. And every single one said the book is not going to work out because the SAT prep market is too competitive. You don't have a platform to write the book. It's just not going to work out. And so, you know, that was like me facing a hundred rejections and uh, I'd say that was like one of the lowest points in my entrepreneurial journey. Cause I really considered just putting away the pen or putting away the typewriter or MacBook, I should say, yeah. and, and stop writing content. And I was like, well, if a hundred experts say no, then I, they probably know what they're talking about.
0: Right. So then what'd you do to bounce back? Well, Did you take yeah. Like a brief. Did you take a, a rest? Like at that point where just like, ah, maybe no. on the back burner, it just, just like, screw this, I'm gonna make it happen.
1: No, no, I didn't take any rest. And um, what kind of lit a fire under me was I was uh, set to start medical school the next year. And so this was my senior year of college, right between medical, like I had one year and I was going to start medical school. So I was like, I need to write this book before I go to medical school because I'll be so busy in med school that I won't be able to do it. And so I sort of was like, okay, plan A, which was to write the book didn't work. Plan B, which is to give up is not something i want to do, so what's plan C? So plan C was well, I've written hundreds of pages of content. Why don't I take all of this content and package it into the curriculum for a test prep course? So that's when I got that idea. And I used like $900 that I had left over from some scholarship money. And I hired some web designers in Vegas to build my first website. And I started advertising test prep courses. And that was, again, really hard because when you first have an idea, no one believes in you. And so for the six first six months that I had that website up, I didn't get one student enrolled in the course. What changed the game actually was, this was back in 2010, 2011, was search engine optimization. I hired an SEO firm in Vegas to optimize my website for keywords. And 2010, 2011, it was a lot easier to game Google um, search engine optimization than it is in 2019, 2020. And so, um, you know, they got me ranking number one or two for Las Vegas SAT prep or Las Vegas SAT courses pretty, pretty quickly. So I started getting a ton of phone calls. I started doing media on the local news, giving parents tips for the SAT. And so that all worked really well. Because getting the first customers for any business are the hardest customers to get. But I ended up getting 18 students in the first class I ever taught. Taught it over on um, 215 in Eastern for those that know Vegas. Nice. And um, Like 10 minutes yeah, from my house. Yeah, exactly. So I, I taught that first class. And like I said, it was really hard getting those first customers. But... After that first class, over the course of six weeks, those students had an average score improvement of 376 points to their SAT scores. Wow. Which- was yeah, it was actually unheard of. So like, for just to give people some idea of what that means, is it was equivalent to taking a student from the 50th percentile and putting them in the 90th percentile. And so like, we were totally wow. changing lives, changing scores, like what you know many courses have never seen before. And so I had parents knocking down the doors for yeah. door courses, you know, because they had heard about the results. And I think that's a big lesson entrepreneurs is like. Your product is your marketing. Like, if you deliver a good product, if you deliver Mm -hmm. a good service, that is what's going to differentiate you. And uh, like, no one buys an iPhone because they saw an advertisement for an iPhone. They Mm -hmm. bought an iPhone or they bought an Apple product because someone else told them it was good. So, that Mm -hmm. word of mouth because of your product is so huge. And so, creating evangelists, not just customers. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm a real believer in that because it, it just makes everything else about your business so much easier if you have evangelists. And so but the only way they do that is to, to deliver a great product or service that people want to give you money for it. right? And so um, that's when I started hiring instructors. I started uh, training them on my curriculum and we were able to reproduce the results. And that that was really big because the business now no longer depended on me teaching every single course. It was actually, we were able to scale this uh, by giving it to other instructors and continuing to see great results for students. Yeah, that's amazing. So at what point along this journey did you realize like,
0: oh, I have something here. This could be actually really big. Like this isn't just a project to make some
1: extra money. Like this is a
0: real business that could make some real money.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, the first year... I think we did like 50000 in revenue. It wasn't anything crazy. But by the second year, we did 100000 And the third year, we did a quarter million. And so I was like, wow, we're doubling in revenue year over year. And I'm not pouring a single dollar into marketing. We're literally doubling in revenue just because our courses work. And, right. and people are telling about it. Imagine telling others that. about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Work. Yeah. yeah, so <laughs> people are telling others about it. So we were doubling in revenue year over year for a few years. And I had mentioned I was in medical school. So I was like, okay, I'm three years in a medical school. And after this is residency, so I'll be super busy. So how can I have a super big impact on my business to try and scale this thing and make it even bigger? And what I decided to do was, you know, I was a biology major, so I didn't know anything about business. I was like, why don't I do an MBA I'll take two-year leave of absence from medical school, and I will learn how to scale the business. At the same time, I'll work on the business. And at the same time, I might do some major marketing for the business. And so I was able to kill a lot of birds with one stone that way. And a lot of people say, oh, entrepreneurs don't need MBAs. And I do agree it's becoming a less popular degree. But I will say there was one class that totally changed the game for me um, in terms of my business. It was called uh, the Management of software development, and it was all about agile and Scrum and all these project management techniques that Google, Amazon, Facebook used to develop software and create better services. And once I implemented that in my business, like the MBA was was a lot of money. It was one hundred fifty thousand dollars I had to pay. I mean that project management structure we implemented at the business generated over a million dollars in productivity so like i can say like the mba was worth it for me as an entrepreneur may not be the right decision for most people but for me it worked out yeah. and so the other reason it worked out is during my mba i was in connecticut and i saw they were having shark tank auditions in new york city so i was like how old were you at this time and how many years was the business going so this was In 2015. So I was 24, 25, 25. And Mm -hmm. yeah, we had been in business for about four years. Okay. So this was like,
0: you'd seen some traction happening. You're at maybe what, half a million in revenue or something like that?
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I was about half a million in revenue. And I was like, you know what? And I was watching Shark Tank every day. It was like super popular. I mean, it's still popular, but I think it was super popular a few years ago. For sure. And I was like, one day, just a light bulb went off in my head. I was like, I've got a business that is small in Vegas, half a million in revenue, but I'd love to turn it into a multi-million dollar business. I love to scale it beyond Vegas, take it online, take it to other cities. I could use some investment to scale the business. I could use the promotion to put in front of 10 million Americans on primetime television. And so I had this wild idea or dream of going on Shark Tank, and I saw they were having auditions in New York City, so I went and stood in line with 500 on other entrepreneurs in New York for nine hours for a one minute pitch to a casting call producer, one minute, Uh, one minute. That's all they give you. Wow. It's crazy. And the funny thing about my pitch was that I thought the casting call producer hated me because, (laughs) uh, He was like stone cold during my entire pitch. Did not smile once, did not like nod or acknowledge, show anything, any emotion. And, you know, I was saying, like, oh, we've done a million dollars in revenue now, like total. We've uh, been in the New York Times. We improved scores, points, uh, students' scores, hundreds of points. Totally stone cold. And what was funny is at the very end of my pitch, out from behind me, I pull out my um, SAT prep book. Because the funny thing is that after uh, McGraw-Hill, the world's largest education publisher, saw everything that I was doing with prep expert, my SAT prep company, they were like, Oh, now we want to give you a book deal because before they had rejected me. Right. And so I was like, Oh, sweet. So this is exactly what I wanted in the first place. I was never going to start a test prep company. I just wanted the book deal, but um, it ended up working out. So that book went number one on Amazon for SAT prep. It sold tens of thousands of copies. And so like, that was a good lesson in that you can often get what you want, but like you have to work in other ways for it. Like I had to not take to find the straight the back door, path, right. exactly, right? So that was what I wanted the whole time. But I had to go around, uh, sort of not the Google Maps way or the Ways way. There, I had to go all around and and circle around for what I wanted to, the destination I wanted to get to. So, but what's even funnier is that. Once I pulled up that I pulled out that SAT prep book at the Shark Tank audition, the producer's light eyes like lit up. He was like so excited that I had written an SAT prep. Like forget my pitch, he didn't care about that. He was just like, "You're a published author. Your face is on this book. That gives." I guess in his mind, that gave me authority. Wow. And he was like, "I'm going to give this book to my nephew." And blah blah blah. And like within two weeks, you know, he had moved me up to the next round. And so the funny thing about all of it is that if I didn't have a published book like I originally wanted, I don't think I yeah. would have ever made it on Shark Tank, which, <laughs> yeah, which is crazy.
0: Which speaks to the value of authority and credibility, right? Positioning yourself to be an authority in your industry is something that I preach on all the time because that's the only reason that my show has had any sort of success is because of the names that I brought on my show, just to makes it more credible. It gives it more authority. Like Forbes would not have written like written me up in an article with people like Joe Rogan and Gary Vaynerchuk if I didn't have a stellar lineup of amazing guests it just wouldn't have happened you know mm-hmm. so like having that credibility and that authority is something that i think people just don't put enough effort into and they they don't realize the value of like what that could bring for for your company what's up everybody this episode of the show is brought to you by Honeybook if you run your own business you're used to doing it all but if you're struggling to get through your to-do list Honeybook can help And I doubt when you started your business, you dreamed about all those just awesome admin tasks and drafting proposals and contracts and tracking down payments. I'm sure that was a huge part of your vision. But if it wasn't, just in case, you need HoneyBook. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, invoices, all in one place. They make it simple to run your business better. Professional templates, e-signatures, and built-in automation keeps everything on track and makes you look like the professional that you are. They can even consolidate services that you already use like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, MailChimp, Gmail. It's the number one choice for client and business management for freelancers and business owners. Save time and do more of what you love with HoneyBook. And right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off, 50% when you visit honeybook.com slash travis. Payment is flexible and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. So head over to honeybook.com/travis for 50% off your first year and get started today. That's honeybook.com/travis what's up everyone just wanted to take a quick second and give a shout out to my favorite podcasting app himalaya if you're not listening to podcasts on this new app you are definitely missing out it's like a social media app but for podcast listeners follow your go-to shows like and comment on your favorite episodes and download professionally curated playlists made just for you so head on over to your app store or google play store and download himalaya today and thank me later Talk to me now about next steps, next part, like the process of going through the Shark Tank audition, nervousness, butterflies heading into that room, meeting the four, the, the panelists and, and then the crazy high of actually getting a deal.
1: Yeah, it was an insane experience. I mean, it was pretty quick. Like from when I auditioned to when they flew me out to Los Angeles to uh, pitch the Sharks was like a matter of like two, two and a half months. It was pretty quick. Wow. So I basically had prepared... Probably as much as I had studied for the SAT to be on Shark Tank. Shark Tank—it's pretty rare to be able to air on Shark Tank. I think I had auditioned with 500 other people in New York, but I think 50,000 people from across the country apply. Um, at least at its peak, and like 180 get on television. So it's like 0.02%, which is funny because the chances of getting a perfect SAT score are 0.02%. So like <laughs> to do both is like pretty rare. Yeah. Your, um, your, your next <laughs> course is going to be called the 0.02% Club. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Um, Anyway, yeah. So I had prepared hundreds of hours for the pitch, anticipating every single question that I think they would have thrown at me, et cetera. And did then- you,
0: did you, real quick, did you have help with that? Did you call up anybody and say like, hey, what do I even expect
1: with this? No. Oh, actually, I think I spoke to one other Shark Tank entrepreneur team and asked them, but it wasn't really that helpful, to be honest with you. So it was
0: mainly just Google and stuff you did yeah. from
1: your MBA program? It was basically just Google, MBA, and just watching a lot of Shark Tank, honestly, like, because you mm-hmm. can anticipate what kind of questions they ask most entrepreneurs. And uh, what was interesting was, you know, I'm a believer in like the art of storytelling. And so, you know, I made, cause I have the most boring business in the world. It's SAT <laughs> prep, you know? So yeah. like, you know, how are they going to make this entertaining for Shark Tank? Cause like I, I made sure I had a lot of interesting funny, personal stories to share. Cause at the end of the day, it's an entertainment television show. So like, right. I wanted to make sure that they air my episode and that we're not just talking SAT prep. That's going to put everyone to sleep, you know? And right. so, um, so I had really interesting stories to share, but at the end of the day, when I walked into that tank, like once I saw the five sharks in front of me live in the flesh, like everything I had prepared like went out the window, you know, like it was, it was bad. Like I, I felt like I had blacked out, but because like everyone just sees like 15 minutes on shark tank, right. Or 10 minutes, whatever you're on 10, 15 minutes on television but I was in there for an hour and a half. And so during that hour and a half, I was getting grilled and grilled and like, they're just coming at you from every single direction. And at first you have like a lot of nervousness and butterflies when you're in there. But like, at some point you just start, like, I started like yelling back, you know, like it was just like, (laughs) it was just like, you just are like, you're talking to them like normal people. And uh, yeah, you're just up there for an hour and a half, no water. And that's why I'm like sweating by the end of it. You know, everyone's like, why is this guy so sweaty in 10 minutes? But like that <laughs> that's why it's an hour and a half out there. And, um, it was incredible for those that haven't seen my episode. Like there's a point though, that I look like a total idiot because like, I think, uh, Lori Grenier asked me, um, do you want to be a doctor or do you want to be an entrepreneur? Cause their biggest gripe with my business was like, why are you also still being a physician, et cetera. And so like, I look like an idiot. I'm like, uh, 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 I don't know. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I wish I could go back and tell them like, I- I'd love to do both, you know? And, um, that's what I've been able to pull off now. And uh, Mark Cuban was able to see that. And he's the one that eventually ended up giving me a quarter million dollars in exchange for 20% equity in the business.
0: And was that the exact deal that you worked out during the, the, the show? Or was there like, hey, we have
1: an agreement, and then afterwards we're changing it and working out details? Yeah. So I hear all these horror stories of other Shark Tank entrepreneurs who changed their deal, dropped the deal, et cetera. So I think only about 50% of deals go through because there's a large, there's a big due diligence process after I'm the sure. show. Yeah. But yeah, mine went, went through exactly as we shook hands on the show, which I think is it's pretty rare. Rare um, from what I hear from other people now, so I was happy that 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 happened.
0: So, in between the time that you shook hands until the time where you like had the capital and you were working with it in your business, first off, what was that time frame? Second off, uh, what? Kind of progress or growth did you see in your business after you made the deal with Mark Cuban?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, I had a pretty lengthy due diligence um, period, and um, you know I think Mark does so many deals that they his lawyers and accountants really um, sort of basically prioritize due diligence based on when you're airing. So mm-hmm. like my due diligence process didn't really get going. Like I filmed in June, but we didn't really start working on due diligence and doing all the paperwork until like. October, November, because I didn't air until January. So I'd say it was like six months before I, the, the money actually hit the bank account. And um, Do you have to sign a
0: bunch of NDAs that say, like, the, you won't tell anybody that you got funded or stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was the most painful six months. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got
0: like the biggest news on the planet and you can't even share it with anybody. It was
1: bad, man. Like, yeah, I could. Yeah, you're supposed to not share it with anyone on this earth that you were on Shark Tank. <laughs> They, like I made a deal with Mark Cuban. It's like I was just walking around Vegas, like so depressed that I couldn't share this information. <laughs>
0: <laughs> depressed um, from excitement. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. that's a rare like,
1: situation. Yeah, sure. it, yeah. You know, so it was it was just so hard. I mean, I obviously told my parents. I think most people do. But yeah, other than that, I didn't really tell anyone. Even the people in my company, I think they they knew we had audition, I had audition on Shark Tank, but I wasn't allowed to tell them whether we made a deal or who we made it with, etc. So mm. I'd say that yeah, that was about a six month process. And, and in terms of the growth post Shark Tank and post deal with Mark Cuban, I mean it was incredible. We had done about a million dollars in total sales um prior to Shark Tank. And since airing on Shark Tank, which it's been about three years now, three and a, three and a half years, we've done about twenty million dollars in revenue. So I wow. mean we twenty X'd. Yeah. It was it was incredible. The weekend of the airing, you had mentioned we had done about half a million dollars in sales the year before um, Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. And the weekend of the airing, we did about, I want to say $300,000 in sales. So it was almost a year's worth of revenue coming in, in a weekend. It was just uh, the like biggest dream come true for any e-commerce or digital entrepreneur because like you just see all of these orders just every single second coming in. It was like no no other marketing force I had ever seen. And, and for my business in particular, I think it worked well because if you think about Shark Tank, it's really a show that a lot of families watch together. Mm. And so like my customer is not the high school student, it's the parent of the high school student. Mm-hmm. And so like all these parents are watching it with their high school kids and be like, okay, we're gonna sign you up, you know? Um, and so it was, it was really awesome. Yeah, man, there's, I mean, there's so much stuff there to, to unpack. I have a quick
0: question though for you on that what was the most beneficial component? Was it the actual capital? Or was it the connection to
1: Mark and his team of like advisors and stuff? Yeah, I think it was definitely the connection to Mark. I mean, Mark has done incredible things for the business. Um, Just to give you a couple examples. He doubled our Licensing fee to uh, one of the biggest or our biggest licensor. So we white label courses to another company, mm-hmm. and he doubled the licensing fee, which resulted in over half a million dollars in revenues since then. Um, <laughs> so I mean, like, talk, you know, like he's clearly paid back on top of the quarter million he gave us. I mean, that's just one thing he did: Devo- making partnerships with Amazon, um, redoing our accounting, um, counting books. He even reached out to me, and we co-wrote a. Book for entrepreneurship for kids called um, Kids Startup, and that was really cool to be co-authors with Mark Cuban on a book. So like, there is, I mean, he tweets stuff constantly for us to promote. I mean, to like, he's got seven million followers. It's like the best shark you can possibly have. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man, I mean, this is exactly why I have this show is to talk about exactly that. Why, how connection can bring you to places in your life so much faster than doing it on your own, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you can get plugged into people who are doing things on a level that you can't even really comprehend, people like Mark Cuban, mm-hmm. when you connect with them, The things that they can do to generate revenue that's mind blowing to you, that they can just all they have to do is like send a quick email out. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's half a million dollars in revenue. Okay. I guess Mm -hmm. that solves that problem. You know, (laughs) like things that you toil over and think about and pour over and read 10 books to try to figure out. And somebody like that can just be like, oh, yeah, it's this, this, this. Let me make a quick connection over here to this guy and he'll help you out. Boom. Taken care of. Done. Fixed. Let's move on. The speed that you earn Mm. by getting connected to somebody like that is absolutely insane. Can you talk about some of maybe the benefits that haven't been in the business directly, but maybe more like personal life or for your personal brand besides co-authoring a book? I mean, that's amazing in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Things that have come from the connection with him that maybe you didn't expect uh, when you first made the deal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that he's opened the door. In a lot of ways for my personal like self. Development, self-help brand. So, like, I, I wrote a book called "Self-Made Success: Like 48 Secret Strategies to Live Happier, Healthier, and Wealthier." He um, co-signed it. He basically puts it on every list uh, that he recommends of books, like for CNBC, etc. It's wow. like Spike's book sales. It's been super. He helped me uh, pick the title. He helped do a little bit of the intro, and so like uh, that has been very helpful. And then, like, obviously, uh, dropping his name helps me get. Any interview or media that I could possibly want, and then Mark can obviously set up those interviews himself, and he 's done it a lot for Inc. magazine entrepreneur, hobby post et etc and he you know I was at um, a big event he was speaking at one time, and you know he had mentioned me as one of the top entrepreneurs there, so like just to be in that breath with him now, I think has really opened the doors for my personal brand as an overall entrepreneur and self development specialist basically.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to know your answer to this. This is the one question that I've asked every single guest that's come on the show and you have experienced both sides of it to the extreme. So I'm curious to hear your answer. Do you believe, Sean, that who you know or what you know is more important and why? And you have to pick one. Don't give me, don't give me, don't give me any, <laughs> any of
1: that both crap, Sean. Just yeah. <laughs> it is definitely who you know. And the reason I say that is there are a lot of people that know a lot about SAT prep. There are a lot of people that know about self-development. And they're really smart and talented people. One of the biggest reasons that I've been able to differentiate myself is because I was the one that started talking to literary agents and publishers to get my book done. I was the one that went out and um, started talking to Shark Tank producers to get on Shark Tank. I was the one that made a deal with Mark Cuban. It's all these people I met along the way and have been able to slowly get into the network of. Because, you know, at first I had no network, just like everyone else else. But I had to slowly build it. I didn't go straight to Mark Cuban. (laughs) I I built (laughs) my brand up with those little publishers at first and the book deals and the people I was meeting in Vegas, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And that eventually led to Shark Tank and then Shark Tank led to Mark Cuban. Now Mark Cuban leads to basically anyone that I need to. (laughs) And so um, it's definitely the reason that I've been able to differentiate myself in such a competitive field like SAT prep is because of who I know. I absolutely love that answer. What's next, man? What are you working on? What are you excited about? Yeah. So I'm actually, uh, as, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm still a dermatology resident physician. So finishing up dermatology residency in the next year and a half. And I'm excited about that because I'll finally be done with school. I, I, if your listeners haven't noticed, I've been in school forever, basically, <laughs> whether it's um, like I've done college, medical school, business school, now residency. So I'll finally be done with school. And I'm excited to what I believe is to start a successful business. You really have to put in your 10, thousand hours. And that's how I see residency is putting in my 10,000 hours of effort to become an absolute expert dermatologist so that um, hopefully I can start an incredible um, derm tech company in the future. And so hmm. that would be Merge really interesting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I don't want to start a company or even think of a company or think of an idea until I'm an absolutely expert in the area, which again, like we talked about before, will give me authority and credibility to build that incredible business. So I'm looking forward to that future.
0: So uh, when when are you going to start like a podcast or something like that? When are you going to put out more stuff so we can learn from you, bro?
1: Oh, I will eventually. I know I got to find the right niche of of topic, but I'd love if, if your listeners could check out my book in the meantime, though. It's called self-made success. You can find it on Amazon. Perfect. Yeah, definitely.
0: 100% go check out self-made success. Um, I promise you will not regret any time that you spend learning from a dude like this. Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure, my man. Let's move on into the last segment here. Something I like to call the random round. Just a few quick random questions, quick random answers. Ready? Let's do it. What profession other than your own, do you think that it would be fun to attempt? Do I have to be good at it? If you could like wake up tomorrow and have that skill set and be oh. amazing at it. MBA player. <laughs> if you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, chat with them for an hour, who would it be? Malcolm Gladwell. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or
1: videos? Oh, audiobooks on my commute by far. What's an audiobook you've checked out recently that you'd recommend? Oh, Financial Freedom by Grant Sabier. Um so about personal finance, um, investing. I've um, not been good with that until I read that book and uh, it's totally changed my life. Amazing. And
0: I would throw in too, since your recommendation on the the park bench was Malcolm Gladwell, his new book, uh, Talking with Strangers is phenomenal. I'm almost... About like three quarters of the way through that.
1: Oh, and, I haven't read that one. Okay. That's fantastic, out.
0: man. The audiobooks, uh, like they, they made the audiobook like a really well produced podcast almost. So there's like mm-hmm. voice actors, different things, which makes the audiobook so much more engaging. So I definitely recommend that audiobook. It's amazing. Thank Especially,
1: you. I'm going to do that.
0: Uh, my topic is networking and things. So the book is called Talking to Strangers and How to Communicate with People You Never Met and things like that. It's really fascinating.
1: Yeah. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Ooh, my morning routine. So I try to make every aspect of my life as efficient as possible. So I take the subway to work and I basically have to be commuting for about 30 minutes. And so during that 30 minutes, I pull out a dermatology textbook and I read my 30 minutes commute to and from work. That's my hour of studying for the day. What is your go-to pump-up song? Ooh, I love rap music. So it's definitely going to be something in that. If you can't think of a song, give us an artist. I like anything by Drake. (laughs) It's
0: a pretty large list. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bro. Besides business, so setting business aside, what is something that you are not very good at?
1: I am not good at directions. I I thank God for Google Maps. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) let
0: we get everything wrapped up here, bro. What is one place online
1: where we are going to be able to find you the most? Yes, definitely check out my website, prepexpert.com. It's where our SAT prep courses are. And if you want to reach me directly, email me at sean, S-H-A-A-N, at prepexpert.com. Amazing! This is one of the best things
0: about podcasts to me, bro. The fact that you came on here, spilled your guts, gave us a ton of value, and then just gave your email out for people to reach out to you. If you're listening to this right now and you don't take people up on these types of things, then uh, you're not listening to what I'm trying to tell you on this Build Your Network podcast because um, it's all about connections. It's all about who you know. And you heard that from one of the best here today. Sean, thank you so much for coming to the show today, my man. Seriously, I had a fantastic time chatting with you.
1: Yeah, same here, Travis. And yeah, definitely email me. I'd love to hear what you think about this interview. Uh, connect with me. And yeah, I respond to my emails personally, just like Mark Cuban does. We don't have (laughs) assistance.
0: Perfect. Love it, bro. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm sure we will be chatting again in the near future. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Travis. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As most of you know, I talk a lot about giving value to others. This podcast is one of the ways that I do that since all the content from the show is totally 100% for free. And when people ask me how they can add value to me, one of the ways I tell them is to head over to iTunes, hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and review. This not only gives me valuable feedback on what you think about the show, but it also helps me with Apple's algorithm. So please, 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 if you have not done that yet, head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review for the show. It adds tremendous value and it only takes a minute or two of your time. Also, if you have not yet registered for my live event out here at Top Golf behind MGM in Las Vegas, this coming November, then you're going to want to head to buildyournetworklive.com to do that right away. Seating is extremely limited, so you need to act fast on this. Head to buildyournetworklive.com to grab your ticket today. Trust me, you are going to want to be a part of this inaugural live event so that in 10 years from now, you can brag about being one of the founding members. Plus, you know me, I promise I will over deliver on value and make it worth way more than you are going to invest to get here. So, Have a wonderful rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.
1: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.